Oh, man. Jump around. I can see Quillen doing it as we speak, the uh, sports director over at uh, Channel 6. I like it when Curtis kind of puts on his traffic hat. He's out uh, to, uh, just minutes ago before he came on. Curtis is kind of letting everybody know the different traffic changes uh, around uh, around homecoming. Curtis, can you update us? It, it uh, Welcome back, by the way. Always fun to have you. Uh, it looks like there's another exit closed around campus. Are people? Are we just going to have to park along 35, leave our cars there, and just kind of walk to campus? Is that the best way to do this? Honestly, it's either that or take 340 around the east side of the campus. I don't know what it is, but, you know, this is my sixth season here, and for oh, four of those football seasons, I've just taken 340 around to get to the stadium because trying to deal with the traffic nightmare with the construction and, of course, homecoming weekend and everything that goes with the parade, it's just not worth it to take 35 up to MLK for me. I would rather just go around the campus, cut up by the Ferrell Center, and and get into the media a lot that way. I, I haven't had any headaches in the three years I've been doing it that way. All right, I like that. 334A will remain open. Stadium can be reached by from 17th to LaSalle to Martin Luther King. That's what I'm going to do, okay? I know everybody wants to kind of know how Mosley's arriving, but I, I'm with you, <laughs> Curtis. Let's let's come in that route. Now, I, I show up even earlier than you. I know it's hard for people to believe, but for our four hours before kickoff, the, uh, the pregame show, Curtis, and uh, and that's a good one. Now, boy, I'm looking at your game of the week. Now, I, I'm getting excited for this thing because um, you're talking about the atmosphere and all of that. Um, the game of the week appears to be, Curtis, if I'm reading your uh, your Twitter appropriately, is Temple versus Belton. Okay? And yes, that's, sir. Uh, at Tiger yeah, Field. That, wow. You guys are going to be live at 6 p.m., and then at when it goes final, you'll have some live reports out there. Break that break that thing down for us like only you can. It's one of those games where you have to kind of throw the X's and O's out the window because mm. the year that we thought it was going to be close in 2019, Temple kind of ran away with it. Um, and then, you know, all the years that we think that Temple's going to run, run away with it, you know, we get a triple overtime thriller where Logan Smith kicks a 53-yard field goal to send it to a third overtime, uh, he, who, by the way, is now down at the uh, on the 40 acres playing for Steve Sarkeesian's uh, Texas Longhorns. When you can mm. kick like that, it's no wonder yeah. you're kicking for, for the flagship program in the state. Uh, I mean, that's just the atmosphere itself makes it worthy of being the game of the week. And then you factor in that, yeah, Belton's looking at the wounds a little bit because it kind of got – its teeth kicked in last week at Harker Heights, but this is a, a a rivalry affair, and we know what that means in football. It means things happen that are not explainable. Um, is Belton going to get big played again like it did by Harker Heights a week ago? Is Belton going to come out kind of uh, upset because it just got embarrassed last weekend? And, you know, one thing Scott Stewart told me earlier this week is this is a this is a game for playoff seeding. This is a this is two teams yeah. who are both trying to play uh, home games in the first round. Uh, Belton's the second biggest school in the district. They get in, they're guaranteed to go Division One. Uh, Temple is the second smallest school in the district. They get in, they're guaranteed to go Division Two. 
And so they're not going to be on the same playoff bracket, which means they both can play at home, but they would really, really uh, like to be able to get a win tonight because that would make that path a whole lot uh, more clear. Love it when these two communities get together and, uh, you know, they fight. You know, we get Belton has some really good barbecue options now. Temple probably leads the way in most Tex-Mex restaurants available. Um, Temple certainly has some nice, that's, you know, the steak restaurant, Cheeves Brothers, and they got a pretty good Italian restaurant. Is it Pignati's or however you say that? Uh, So, I mean, it's a pretty good battle both, you know, all over the place. So, I think you've picked well, and this will be kind of fun. Now, what else do you have your your eye on uh, this uh, th- this Friday? You know, Mosley, the one that finished kind of second in our department's discussions um, for game of the week was Weston Whitney because seven three eight D one is a three team race, and I don't think that that's too strong of a statement uh, to make. I think it's West, Whitney, and Grandview are the three that are kind of competing for the crown. I don't, you know, Madison took a step back this year, Dallas Madison. Uh, A-plus isn't that good of a program. And, you know, you've got some other some other weak programs in there. May Pearl's probably going to be competing for that fourth playoff spot again. Um, but the district title comes down to these three teams. Well, they, they all play uh, – West and Whitney both play Grandview in the next two weeks. Whitney hosts them next week. West goes to Grandview the week after. Um, and so tonight is would go a long way in setting up a district title clash. Obviously, you still got to play the Zebras after this. Um, they're really looking to get into the driver's seat. And for West, you can go into the open week 8-0 and 4-0 in district. You've got to be feeling good at that point if you're David Woodard and you're just a couple, you're just a win or two from clinching a district championship uh, as you're going into the open week. This is a driven Trojan team, and this is a Wildcat team that went out and got itself battle-tested in the non-district, 3-3 three and three coming into tonight. But, you know, those three losses are to three playoff teams, two of them, Mart and Rogers. And so I don't read too much into those three losses. And uh, this, is, uh, this is a really fascinating game for me. Another one that I've got my eye on is uh, Harker Heights and Shoemaker. You know, mm. kind of similar to uh, Shoemaker kind of coming into this one a little like Belton. Kind of got embarrassed a little bit last week. Uh, Brian is kind of a surging team now. I don't know if Brian got his quarterback back. I don't know if the Vikings simply found their way. But, you know, two straight wins over Shoemaker and Colleen now. Um, and that was that was Brian's first win of the year. You never want to be the first for a winless team. And I know that Shoemaker <laughs> lost a lot a lot of experience because Toby Foreman was very honest in the preseason. We're going to be young. We lost a lot of experience. So can the Gray Wolves take that next step? This is a probably, if the bracket shakes out the way that I'm kind of thinking it will, this could be a really, really impactful game because I think the five teams that we're kind of looking at as potential playoff teams in District 12-6A are Ellison, Shoemaker, Harker Heights, Temple, and Belton. And Copper's Cove would really, really like a stay in that. And I think that, you know, this is one of those games that's going to really go – it could potentially go down to the wire like it has the past two years. But at the same time, it could potentially shape the way that the uh, 6A bracket shapes out in both Division One and Division Two there in Region 2. Okay, I've been doing some research on uh, – Harker Heights has a new restaurant. i got to just rack my brain a little bit, but I – 
I, I just happened <laughs> to be kind of passing through, and I thought, man, I can't believe Harker Heights has that. It's right off kind of 35 there. So let's let's keep our eye on that situation. Uh, any good sports writer or broadcaster should know where all those places are uh, along the highway. Uh, Curtis. Curtis Quillen, Channel 6, joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Now, we'll get to the Baylor game in a minute. This, this, uh, the line on that game intrigues me greatly. Same thing for this uh, Oklahoma State. And by the way, I, I'm trying to think when I'm going to honor this. I think Common Ground's coming up the game, uh, the day before the Texas game when I, when I owe you the coffee. Okay, you beat you. We had the Oklahoma State Baylor bet, and of course, you came out on we top. Did. But you still have not completely bought in to this Pokes team. And I know you love them, and I know you yeah. want them to win. But now Texas, I don't know what to expect. They're either going to be angry and sarcasm rolling, or or they're still reeling from what happened. And uh, I, I every every time this uh, matchup occurs, something weird has happened, dating even back, you know, as far as ten to fifteen years ago, when I used to watch this thing, and Oklahoma State would get way up, and you know there would be a a, a back and forth type thing. Do you have any feel for this thing? Uh, horns are favored by four. Is it four now? I think it was five when I was looking yesterday. Yeah, I, yeah. I get. I, I think Vegas is on to something here. Look, I'm not going to say that this is going to be a blowout because if there, you, you already mentioned that this game is always, 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 always weird from, you know, uh, one of those years in Austin having some of the worst officiating I've ever seen in a college football game to, you know, you have the uh, – the, the touchdown that wasn't in 2012 to, I mean, you name it. I mean, this is just one of those things where throw what you know about football out the window, because this game's going to be determined by something to find. It's just that weird of a game. Look, I still don't know what to think of this OSU team. I mean, the offense finally scored points in the second half a few weeks ago against Baylor. And so then it goes into a bye. And, you know, you've got, like you said, Texas is coming off of a loss. There's just so much that I don't know about this, about this Oklahoma State squad. And I don't think the defense has faced a running back, a single running back as powerful and as explosive as Bijan Robinson. I don't think that it's faced this type of offense this season because, you know, Texas proved last week it can score points. Now, it might not be able to turn off the faucet against really good teams as it proved whenever it had a 28-7 lead and lost to Oklahoma. But it's what, what are we going to get in this game for Oklahoma State? Is Spencer Sanders going to cough the ball up like he sometimes tends to do in, uh, in big games like this? Is the defense going to be able to contain both Thompson and Bijan Robinson? Is it going to be able to keep uh, Thompson from throwing it to guys like Joshua Moore? Is this, you know, there's so many questions that are going to impact this game. You know, you texted me this morning if I was bought into this Oklahoma State team or not. And I've just seen this movie too many times before, Matt. Uh, my senior year, Oklahoma State starts the year 10-0 and 0, and then just get absolutely annihilated in the final three games of the year by Baylor, Oklahoma, and Ole Miss. And I just – if Oklahoma State's legit, it needs to go out there and it needs to win this game and it needs to not do it on a fluke play. And so that's <laughs> kind of where, where I'm at so, with, uh, with this OSU team. 
Something tells me you'll take it, though, even if it's fluky. Golly, like oh, that sure. one game where Baylor needed – what did Baylor need to happen that one year? Was it you all to lose or win when there was an interception at the very end of the game? Well, who was I that? I don't want to talk it about that been, game. Oh, I'm so sorry. Was it that Justin was, Gilbert dropped was, an interception or something? Yep. Okay. That was Bedlam yeah. 2013, Matt. I was standing in six <laughs> inches of snow watching that game, and uh, and Justin Gilbert dropped the interception that woke one Oklahoma State its second Big 12 championship. Next thing you know, the 2:30 kick in Waco is Texas and Baylor. Winner takes the Big 12 crown, and the loser gets second in the in the conference or third, depending on uh, wh- whether it was Texas or uh, or Baylor that lost that game. And, oh, uh, yeah. I still got. I'm still I'm still upset about that Jay Gill interception. Goodness gracious! I was right there in the in the Baylor press box waiting on that thing to happen. And was that the last? Was that the last game at Floyd Casey? I'm trying to think. That was, was like, yeah, yeah. That's wild to think of. Okay, Baylor and BYU. The, whoa, this line really intrigues me. Line opens at like whatever three and a half, four and a half. I, 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 we were guessing after last week's game, and I thought BYU might be favored by. I mean, this tells you. I mean, you usually have a decent feel for Vegas what they're going to do. This this line has been bet up now to Baylor by six and a half. I don't know how much the loss against Boise State did it, but I mean, this is still a really good BYU team. And again, the Bears by six and a half at McLean I I'm just um, I'm a little baffled by this line. I think the game has a chance to be fascinating for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is this team is joining the Big 12 soon and I think that that has added a lot more meaning to this game. It's added a lot more meaning to this game. There's obviously the religious component. You have two devoutly religious schools that are playing, and so it's almost as religious as uh, as the Holy War. I don't think it's quite up to that level, um, you know, between BYU and Utah. Um, the thing that fascinates me about this game is you mentioned the line. Jaron Hall, in his first game back from injury last week, so first time he's played football in almost a month because he got hurt late in that BYU win over Arizona State. He had the, his best game of the year, and he throws for, what was it, almost 300 yards. He only had, he only had the one interception. They lost three fumbles, though. So it, basically what Boise State proved was that to beat BYU, you have to force them into an unreasonable number of turnovers. You have to pummel them in a turnover battle because that's how Boise State won this game. You know, back-to-back fumbles on back-to-back plays that the Broncos recover is the difference in this game because that's what gave Boise State the lead. Um, this is an interesting, interesting uh, game. I think that BYU is going to come in on a mission, but I also think Baylor also has a lot to prove. And so everything you can say about one team, you can say about the other. Um, you know, both of them have one loss. How they lose that, they the team they were playing that week did exactly what it is they needed to do to beat to beat them, and that was yeah. to help Baylor out of the end zone for a quarter for for a half in Stillwater for Oklahoma State to hand Baylor its only loss this year, and Boise State sent sent BYU in a coughing fit, and they kept coughing the football up under the carpet every every <laughs> chance they got in Provo last week, and so you know. At what point, you know, obviously, the offense at that point was what helped, helped them struggle in those losses. 
So what does the other defense do in this game? What wrinkles does each defense bring out? Kalani Sataki is a mastermind of a coach, and he's got a really good staff. But Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos know what to expect from the BYU defense as well as anybody in college football for the simple fact that for the past few years, that's who they were going up against in practice every single day. I am fascinated by this game. I think it's close. I think yeah. we're talking about between three and seven. Um, I just I don't know which one I think plagues an offense more. Are we talking on Monday about, you know, Baylor didn't score for a half again? Or are we talking about, hey, Baylor forced BYU into seven turnovers or some ridiculous number like that and is now 6-1 and one and bowl eligible for the first time under Dave Aranda? Yeah, I think there's, uh, I think there's a lot to think about, and, uh, and I think you've made some really good points. And I like uh, the Sailor aspect of this. Both teams are going to have Sailor, uh, the Sailor Cougar and the Sailor Bear on the helmet, mm-hmm. and I should compliment you. Uh, we got a roll, but I just wanted to say it turns out you attending that Texas A&M-Alabama game, sometimes you just happen to show up at the right place. And uh, kudos to you for sensing that something special might might be about to happen. So uh, I, I have to say, Curtis, that worked out for you. That was the single greatest atmosphere I've ever watched a college football game. And, Matt, that was awesome. And the 12th man earned that one that was not a fluke win for A&M. They were the better team on the field that night. You heard it there. It is Curtis Quillen, and he is the man from Channel 6. And you can watch it tonight, live reports at 6. And then, of course, after the action, they have their their, uh, live show, do such a great job. It's Curtis Quillen. You hear him here every single Friday. Okay, it's time.